0: When I opened up the mailbag on Monday, I got so many good Orioles questions that I couldn't fit them all into one episode. So we're back here on a Thursday, opening up the mailbag once again, coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Thursday, March 2nd, 2023, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we are opening up the Locked On Orioles mailbag once again, getting to nine Orioles questions, all from you, the listeners, here on the pod. We're going to talk about potential trades that the Orioles still could make before opening day, when the O's could maybe get to a World Series, who could be the closer if Felix Bautista misses any time. We'll talk about the prospects that'll be in double and AAA this year and much, much more coming up here on a mailbag episode of the podcast. But first, just did want to thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. We're free and available on all podcast listening platforms. Thank you again if you've subscribed on YouTube. If you haven't, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the Locked On Orioles YouTube page. And remember, if you are subscribed to Locked On Orioles on YouTube and you leave a comment on any video this week on YouTube telling me what your favorite thing about spring training is or what your favorite Orioles spring training memory is, you will be entered to win the Orioles Hawaiian shirt from 2021. Again, you have to enter by midnight on Friday. Just two things to do. Subscribe to the pod on YouTube and leave a comment on any video this week about your favorite thing about spring training. I'll do the drawing this weekend. And on Monday's episode, we'll announce the winner of the Birdland Hawaiian shirt. But thank you all who have tuned in, who've watched, gotten the pod over 2,000 subscribers on YouTube, hoping to continue to grow it here in what could be an exciting 2023 Orioles season. And we thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first listen and your first view of the day. But let's jump right into your first listen today. It's the Locked On Orioles mailbag. We're opening it up once again this week because I got a lot of good questions over the weekend when we asked for mailbag questions. And let's just jump right in. Now, this is a question that I got in multiple different forms from actually three different people. First asked by Tom on YouTube. And then I got a couple different ways as well. So I'm just going to bottle all the questions I got into one here and put it like this. With Gavin Lux out, could the Dodgers target Jorge Mateo or Ramon Arias in a trade with the Orioles before opening day? And this is a pretty good question because if you hadn't seen the news, Dodgers infielder Gavin Lux, who at one point was the top prospect in baseball and can play around the diamond, can play a little outfield. Generally, everybody thought he was going to be almost an everyday member of the Dodgers lineup this year. Tears his ACL, sliding into third base in a spring training game last week, and he is officially out for the season. And this is a Dodgers team that surprisingly didn't do a whole lot to add to the team this offseason. They actually lost a few players as well and didn't do a whole lot of additions. Now, luckily for the Dodgers, even before this injury, they did trade for Miguel Rojas earlier this offseason, the shortstop from the Marlins, great defender, not a great bat. Rojas is just... Kind of an older version of Jorge Mateo. So Rojas will get more at-bats now with Lux out. Miguel Rojas most likely is the everyday shortstop now for the Dodgers. But if you look at their infield, it's Rojas, it's Max Muncy at either second or third. And then you've got the, the young kid, the rookie Miguel Vargas, who they're expecting a lot out of but really haven't seen him at the Major League level yet. And then you got Chris Taylor, who's honestly played more outfield than infield over the past few years, but still did come up as an infielder who can play that position. And that's really the Dodgers infield right now without Gavin Lux. It's not super pretty. I mean, they do have Freddie Freeman at first base, and they do have J.D. Martinez, who will be their D.H., who they signed this offseason. But at second, short, and third without Gavin Lux, especially if Max Muncy struggles like he did for most of last year, as did Chris Taylor, there's some questions there. But to answer this question, I don't know if they would target Jorge Mateo because, again, they already acquired basically the older version of Jorge Mateo. That is Miguel Rojas, an elite defensive shortstop who can handle the bat, but you don't want to hit him anywhere but 8th or ninth in your lineup. He's going to have some strikeout problems and generally isn't going to produce a lot over a full 162-game season. Now, I could see maybe the Dodgers being more interested in Urias Then Mateo, who's shown to be a better hitter and did just win a gold glove at third base. He could sure up that position and can play second as well and a little bit of shortstop for the Dodgers. They like versatility. Arias has that. I could see it happening. Maybe Arias more than Mateo, but I could see it happening. And Dodgers, could they could use an infielder at this point. I think in some way, shape, or form, they're going to add an infielder now before opening day. And maybe if the O's could get them, to send over one of their starting pitching prospects? You know, Ramon Arias has, you know, still four more years of control at this point, four or five years of control. He's a valuable player. So if the Dodgers maybe wanted to fork up Ryan Pepio, the right-handed pitcher who had a 3-4-7 ERA in 36 big league innings last year and is a top 10 prospect in the Dodgers system and looks to be a future starting pitcher for the Dodgers and could be that for the Orioles... A lot of strikeouts. Did have some walk issues last year that he's got to get together, but they want to fork up Ryan Pepio. Maybe the O's would talk about Ramona Rios. I would not rule it out after that Lux injury. Really good question I got from from a couple different listeners. Second question comes from Jack on YouTube who asks, when do you realistically see the Orioles making it to a World Series? Throw out 2026? I mean, they're not going to make it this year. 2026 and you know I don't know exactly how to fit that in with prospect timelines different guys coming up and you know the peak of Henderson and Rutschman and Jackson Holiday being in the big leagues and all those things and it could work out there but also 2026 gives you enough time for the Angelos to sell the team and someone to come in to at least spend a little more money to extend your good players bring in some free agents and have a legitimate World Series contending team when all these prospects get here. And that kind of takes me to the next question, which comes from Hunter over email, who asks, will the Orioles sign their top players, their top prospects, and their in-house guys if John Angelos and that family is still the main ownership group? And, you know, I really do think, despite the fact that I've talked badly about John Angelos a lot on this podcast, and I've made it clear I do not like him, I don't think he's good for the Orioles, he's not a good owner. I do think he and Mike Elias and whomever else is involved, I do think they're going to get a deal done with Adley Rutschman at some point. Now, it may not be this season. It may not be next offseason. It may be a little bit closer to his free agency. But I do think they just can't fail to extend Adley Rutschman. I I honestly think pretty positively. I think it's going to happen. The issue is... I don't feel that way about any of the other top players. Like, I don't feel good about Gunnar Henderson being extended. Some of that is that Scott Boris is his agent, but other is that it's the Orioles. I don't feel good about, you know, Grayson Rodriguez being locked up long term or D.L. Hall or even, you know, a guy like Jackson Holliday when we get to that point or, you know, whichever of the guys of of Jordan Westberg, Joey Ortiz, Colton Cowser, Connor Norby potentially become a star. Like, I just don't know. You know, at this point, I feel like the Orioles should have extended Cedric Mullins by now and they haven't done it. Or, you know, given, you know, maybe a little wrench in the plan the Tommy John surgery, but given John Means some sort of extension that they haven't done. Given Ryan Mountcastle a little bit of money, I don't know. The, if you're not going to pay the outside guys, at least pay the inside guys. And they haven't done that either. So I, I really do think they're going to extend Adley Rutschman. But beyond that, I'm worried about those extensions getting done with Angelos' owner because I've said this before. If Angelos isn't going to spend the free agent money and Elias isn't going to, you know, push him to do so, whatever. It stinks. But at the very least, you have to then spend on your in-house players and retain your stars and extend them. They haven't done either so far, so we don't really know if they're going to. And again, I'm confident in the Rutschman one. Maybe that's just blind confidence by me because of how big a part he's going to be of this franchise, not just now, but moving forward. But I'm worried about all the other guys, and the O's have a lot of talent and hopefully a lot of stars coming up from their farm system, both this year, next year, and the next couple of years. They can't keep them all. But good teams are able to keep the majority of them. Just look at the Atlanta Braves. I don't think the O's are going to be able to do that under John Angelos. But we've got six more questions to get to here on a mailbag episode. Talking about which minor league level of the Orioles I'm most excited to watch this year. Talk a little bit about the closer role for the O's. And specifically a question about minor league rotations. That's coming up right after this. But first... This episode of the Locked Orioles podcast is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars—that's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, it's secure, and it's super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drain. Now for me. I'm pretty much looking at the over on Joel Embiid's shot attempts and Joel Embiid points every single night because it seems like there's a pretty good one-two battle between Embiid and Nikola Jokic for NBA MVP this year, and the Sixers are just going to keep feeding Embiid the ball, and he's going to keep trying to score so he can win that award. So just take the over on the prop for Embiid every night. And plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So we're back here on a mailbag episode of the podcast answering your Orioles questions. If you would like to submit a mailbag question and have it answered on a future episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, you can email us at LockedOnOrioles at gmail.com. You can tweet the pod at LockedOnOrioles on Twitter. The DMs are open as well. You can also put your mailbag question in the YouTube comments right here on the Locked on Orioles YouTube page. Make sure to like, comment and subscribe as well. And then you can also leave a mailbag question in the review section on Apple Podcasts and iTunes, leave a five-star rating, and leave a review, and if it is a mailbag question, we'll answer it on a future mailbag episode. But let's get to our next mailbag question of the day. It comes from Daniel on Twitter, this one does, who says, if Felix Bautista is not opening day ready because of you know the work he got done this offseason, who would be the closer for the Orioles? Now, this is obviously a bigger question because we know Dylan Tate is not going to be ready for opening day. Tate has a forearm strain. He's going to be out for at least all of April. And, you know, we haven't heard anything further about this, but generally when a guy has Tommy John surgery, the first thing you hear about the injury, unless, you know, it's a freak like the elbow pops, you see it on the field and immediately it's Tommy John when it's a slow burn to Tommy John the forearm injury is usually the first thing that comes up if you remember early last year when John Means left his second start of the season the first diagnosis was a forearm injury and we didn't really know for a few days there a week or so that it was actually going to be an elbow issue you and then it became John Means needs Tommy John now it's good that Dylan Tate suffered this forearm issue back in November and we're in you know early march now and this hasn't matriculated up to Tommy John yet that's a good sign but it still does worry me the forearm Tommy John connection however we know Tate's going to be done for at least the first month this year now Felix Bautista you know was rehabbing the knee rehabbing the shoulder this off season and seems to be pretty much ready to go i talked about this on Yesterday's episode, he gave the update that he was throwing at about 80 to 85% late last week. He seems good. He feels ramped up. He said he needs to get into four or five spring training games to be ready for opening day. And it's not a definite, but it seems more than likely that Bautista is going to be ready for opening day and be on that opening day roster. But there's still a good chance he's not. So if he's not, the obvious replacement would have been Dylan Tate. He filled in for Bautista multiple times over the last few years, had the closer role himself for a bit. But if he's not ready, you go to the next guys. And Brandon Hyde did say earlier in spring training, if Bautista is not ready, it would be either Brian Baker or CNL Perez. And that does make sense. When you base it off of, you know, those guys having high leverage roles for the Orioles at the end of last season, you would think Michael Givens would probably be in that mix as well, although he's always struggled in the closer role, especially when he had it you know late in his last tenure with the Orioles in 2019 and 2020 when he worked as the closer at times, it, it didn't go super well. But what I will say is, even if Bautista is not ready for opening day, it's going to be like at most a 10-day stint on the IL he misses before he comes back. And you don't need a closer for all 10 of those games. So I do think the Orioles are just going to go closer by committee without Bautista, unless it becomes something long-term, as long as it's short-term, which it would be if he even does miss opening day. It'll be Perez if there's more lefties, maybe you know Baker if Perez got lefties earlier in the game, and maybe if it's a lot of righties, they'll go Michael Givens. They'll, they'll mix and match, but when Felix comes back, it's going to be his job. Next question comes from Cam on Twitter as we switch to a little bit of minor league talk. What minor league level for the Orioles are you most excited to watch in 2023? Thank you to Cam who does submit a lot of good questions to the mailbag. This one is another one. I think a lot of people would give different answers, but for me, it's AAA Norfolk. And it feels like the first time in like Orioles history that you would say AAA Norfolk is going to be their most exciting minor league affiliate. But Unless there's like multiple key injuries in spring training that send some of these top prospects onto the opening day big league roster, the Tides are going to have Jordan Westberg, Connor Norby, Joey Ortiz, Colton Cowser in their lineup pretty much every day from minor league opening day on. And there's a chance that all four of those guys could get to the big leagues at some point this year. You'd think at least two or three of them would. But it won't be in the first month or two of the season. So you're going to get at least two months of all four of those guys in the lineup. That is a dominant AAA lineup. When you add in the fact that you would think Kobe Mayo and Heston Kerstad are both going to be in AAA at some point this year, maybe along with those four guys, that would be a ridiculous AAA team. And then, you know, while the rotation isn't stacked with top prospects, it's a lot better depth that will the rotation will have as well. And the bullpen will have a lot of good Major League depth. They're just gonna be a lot more watchable. And I do think, depending on how long those prospects are in AAA, Norfolk's gonna go to the postseason this year. and, And they haven't done that a lot recently. Next question, it comes from Alf on Twitter, who asks, it's kind of a similar question, but a little bit different. What will the AA and AAA starting rotations look like for the Bowie Bay Sox and the Norfolk Tides this year? So I took this as kind of what it'll look like at the beginning of the year. Not as much what it'll look like in general for most of the year. So at the beginning of the year, I have changed my stance a little bit. Now, I haven't changed it officially because I haven't done an opening day roster prediction 3.0. But because of the back issue, because the Orioles keep saying they're building him up as a starter, I do, not that I agree with it because I don't, but I kind of unfortunately think the Orioles are going to start D.L. Hall in the AAA Norfolk rotation. So it would be D.L. Hall is your number one. Then you have Spencer Watkins, number two. Bruce Zimmerman would be your number three. Drew Rahm at number four. And then some sort of combination of Chris Vallemont and Ryan Watson at kind of five and six or maybe piggybacking at five, I see it happening. Now, I did not include Mike Bauman because I feel if Hall's in AAA, if Tate is injured, and especially if someone like Bautista can't make the roster either... I think Mike Bauman may be that final pitcher that makes the opening day roster. But if Bauman does not, if he's maybe the final cut, then you put Bauman in this list as well. Or if he starts the year on the roster and then once Felix comes back, Bauman gets quickly sent down to AAA, he goes right into that rotation as well. Then for AA, I went with, again, kind of six guys I put on this list. And there's more that could be in there. There's more guys that'll work in tandem, maybe guys who worked as relievers last year. For three, four innings at a time, but will now be starters. But I'd say Justin Armbruster is your number one guy, with Cade Povich at number two. Then I go with Brandon Young returning from injury the right-hander. Then Garrett Stallings will be in that rotation, I would think. And then I think Chase McDermott, who came over the Trey Mancini trade, I think he's a reliever long-term. But I think the O's will still give him a chance to start in A this year. And then I also think Peter Van Loon, who had a, a really good year at High A Aberdeen last year, late round pick in 2021. I think we'll see Van Loon crack into that buoy rotation, at least to start the year as well. But that does not mean the mailbag is over. We've got three more questions to get to coming up next to finish off the pod. Talking about if I could add any player in O's history to this team, who would it be? We'll chat a bit about the second base position for the Orioles and then best and worst trades. For Mike Elias, that's coming up next. So we're back here on a mailbag episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. And we thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first listen. Now, for your second listen later today, make sure to check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball. You can win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy draft strategies. Find Locked On Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So we jump back into the mailbag here. Three more questions to get to, and we will start with this one, a really good one from Michael on Twitter, who asks, if you could add any player in Orioles history to the current roster, who would it be and which player that is projected to be on the current roster would be replaced? So I think pretty much... Almost everyone would agree that you'd want to put one of the great starting pitchers in Orioles history on this team. And my initial thought was Mike Mussina because just the stuff was incredible. But I don't think you can choose anyone but Jim Palmer as the answer for this question. Orioles Hall of Famer, Major League Baseball Hall of Famer, the greatest pitcher in Orioles franchise history, one of the greatest pitchers the game has ever seen. It's got to be Jim Palmer. And who does he replace? Well, he replaces basically whoever is the last pitcher to make this roster. You know, wh- whether it's Mike Bauman, Keegan Aiken, Nick Vespi, Andrew Paletti, whoever is like the final pitcher to get on the opening day roster, that's who he replaces. And Jim Palmer becomes the ace of this staff. You finally have a legitimate opening day starter. You follow him up with Irvin Gibson. You know, Kramer, Braddish, Rodriguez, any combination there. And you're really rolling if you got prime Jim Palmer on this team. Now, it's tough to find a prime Jim Palmer. The O's are hoping Grayson Rodriguez turns into something like that. But, yeah, I think you get an ace and you go get Jim Palmer onto this team. Next question comes from Mark on Twitter, who asks, If Adam Frazier hits 100, Ramona Rios hits 300, and Taryn Vavra hits 500 in spring training, all with about 50 plate appearances in the spring, Who becomes the opening day second baseman for the Orioles? Now, I do want to say that unless there's an injury, all three of these guys are making the roster. Adam Frazier is a stone-cold lock to make the roster. The O's gave him one year, $8 million. They haven't given up that much money to any position player under Mike Elias, so he's on the roster. Ramon Arias had a solid year, won a gold glove last year, and he's versatile. He, unless he's traded or injured, is going to be on the roster. Taron Vavra is the only one of the three that could be on the roster bubble, like I've talked about, but he's gotten off to such a hot start this spring training, and he's just becoming more and more versatile by the day that the Orioles are going to keep Vavra, again, unless he's injured on the roster as well. So even if one of these guys just was terrible in spring training, they're all three going to be on the opening day roster. You don't take spring training stats that seriously when it comes to guys like this with Major League Time making the roster. And the other thing is, those spring training stats especially aren't going to go into you know who starts opening day. It's going to be more about who's on the mound for the Boston Red Sox. I think all three of these guys are going to be rotating into the lineup along with the other infielders like Henderson and Mateo throughout the season. And, and, you know, Vavra and Frazier can play the outfield. I think each will play the outfield a little bit this year, so they'll rotate into those spots. They'll all be rotating in and out of the lineup throughout the year. All three of these guys. None of them I would call everyday players, but none of them I would call, like, legitimate just bench players. They're they're, they're all going to be somewhere in between for the Orioles. And I think the opening day second baseman is just going to depend on matchups. Like, for example, if Chris Sale is healthy and he starts opening day for the Red Sox against the Orioles, well, then you're probably going to see Adam Frazier and Taron Vavra on the bench, and you're most likely going to see Ramon Arias playing second as the right-handed bat with Gunnar Henderson playing third base, Jorge Mateo at shortstop, and then Ryan Mountcastle at first base. You, you might even see Ryan McKenna in the outfield, in that outfield alignment to get a right-hander in against the lefty. But if it's a Red Sox right-hander like... I don't even know, who, who are the Red Sox right-handers at this point? Who's even in there? We'll say Brian Bayo. He's probably not starting opening day. But if it's a right-hander, then yeah, maybe you do see, you know, Aria sitting and you see Frazier at second. And maybe you see Vavra in left field or maybe Vavra's DHing, or Maybe Vavra's on the bench as well. But I think it's all going to depend on matchups and, and who the starting pitcher is. And then the final question of the day comes from Matt on Twitter. Now, Matt did ask what is the best and worst trade in Orioles history? And I could go through this. I think most people would agree that a trade involving one Glenn Davis is probably the worst in Orioles history. And I think most would agree that a trade involving one Frank Robinson is the best in Orioles history. If not, it would be another trade involving a guy named Adam Jones. But, I think those are easy answers. So I wanted to go more towards and just change Matt. I'm sorry, but I'm going to change your question just a little bit too. What is the best and worst trade that Mike Elias has made so far as Orioles GM? So for best trade, I'm going to go the Dylan Bundy trade. This trade happened after the 2019 season. The Orioles sent Dylan Bundy to the Angels for four pitchers, Kyle Bradish, Zach Peek, Kyle Brenovich, and Isaac Matson. Now Bundy did have a really, really good 2020 shortened season with the Angels, but he was a disaster after that. He was horrible pitching for the Twins last year. And he is still a free agent at this point. And it kind of looks like it's over for Dylan Bundy. Just the fastball velocity has gone. It's tough to watch. And on the flip side, the Orioles get Kyle Bradish, who has solidified himself. I think is a, a really good part of their rotation. I think high things of him. And he's been better than Dylan Bundy. And I think moving forward, he'll be better than maybe Dylan Bundy ever was. You have Zach Peake and Kyle Brinovich, who both were having good minor league careers with the O's before they both got Tommy John surgery last year. Now, Brinovich should be back early this year. Zach Peake is going to be back more likely late this year, if at all. But both were looking pretty good in the minors and both stick around. And I think both could pitch in the majors. Now, Isaac Matson has been released by the O's, but he did make his major league debut with Baltimore. So that's something as well. And you got four pitchers who potentially pitch in the big leagues for you for Dylan Bundy, who's been pretty bad since that trade. I think that was nicely done by Mike Elias. Then I would say the worst trade, I think a lot of people would say Mike Yastrzemski in this one, You know, just to say that the Orioles gave him up for nothing out of AAA, and then all of a sudden he lit the world on fire for a couple years with the Giants, and he's still a starting player for San Francisco, a good team. And I get that one, but Mike Yastrzemski was Rule 5 eligible three years in a row before the Orioles traded him, and no one picked him up. The O's weren't going to call him up. They just wanted to get something for him. Unfortunately, the pitcher they got back, Tyler Herb, wasn't anything. But I don't really blame the O's for making that trade. The worst one is the Miguel Castro trade, I think, so far. At the deadline in 2020, the Orioles sent Miguel Castro, who was not having his best year, but was having a a really good year. They sent Miguel Castro, a fireballing right-handed reliever who had two and a half years of team control remaining. They sent him to the New York Mets for left-handed pitching prospect Kevin Smith. Now, Smith, at the time, was the reigning you know 2019 Mets minor league pitcher of the year. He had put up really good stats in high A and double A, and the Orioles were expecting big things out of him. So at the time, it looked like, hey, this is a solid trade. Kevin Smith, this guy could be a future rotation piece for the O's. But Kevin Smith has been abysmal. And you should be getting a good amount for a good reliever with two and a half years of control. And Smith, he is still in the organization. He's not on the 40 man, but you know he's been called up a few times from minor league camp to travel with the Orioles for a couple of their first spring training games, but he almost got the yips it seemed, lost the strike zone, was just bad, bad, bad when he got to AAA Norfolk and that trade, yeah, not looking good at this point. But that'll do it for today's mailbag episode. Thank you so much for sending in your questions. Again, we'll do... Many more mailbags throughout the off-season here, spring training, and the regular season as well, so make sure to get in those questions whenever you can for a future mailbag episode. And again, remember to subscribe to the Locked On Orioles podcast on YouTube. Comment on any video this week about what your favorite thing is about Orioles spring training, and you could be entered to win the Orioles-Hawaiian shirt. I'll be back for one more episode this week that's coming up tomorrow. We're going to talk about Grayson Rodriguez because he's making his spring training debut here today, starting the Orioles spring training game on Thursday. We'll talk about how he looked and what his chances are of getting into the opening day rotation. That's coming up on tomorrow's episode. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On podcast. Your team every day.